I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. We're coming to you from the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. podcast for November 14th, 2014, and today we're talking about good and evil. So today uh, we're going to start off our conversation uh, by addressing a little bit the issue of good and evil in Buddhism. Um, And uh, I think that there are certain streams of Buddhism that uh, seem to say we should try to be good people, right? Because I mean, and that's you see, I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. I'm already going to start At the arguing beginning, with I'm you. already getting <laughs> shut down. Well, I think that that's the, sort of the central question that we're grappling with in this conversation that hasn't begun yet. Mm-hmm. Um, because you said that some kinds of Buddhism say that you should uh, try to be a good person. And that's the thing that I want to question. Does our Buddhist teachings saying that you should be a good person or that you should do good deeds or good acts? Uh-huh. And those two things I think get conflated mm-hmm. that because you do good things, you are a good person. But to me, the idea of personhood or identity is something different or it can be phrased differently than action. Mm. And to the extent that Buddhism stresses, you know, the deconstruction of the self, mm. I want to sort of call into question whether or not we should say, you know, that people should be good people, what, you know, versus they should do good behavior. Mm. So, and then there's the whole question of what we mean by good and evil, which yeah. is the other thing. So, okay, go. And are they, and you know, you kind of um, <clears throat> mentioned in our, in our um, pre-recording um, talk about, uh, are those even categories in Buddhism? Yeah. Right. And well, that sometimes we um, take categories from that may. Non-Buddhist context and apply them into a Buddhist context. But you proved me wrong on that. You pointed, you, you have Shinran open on the yeah, desk here. You're I'm like, bad. look, he says good and evil. So apparently yeah. I'm wrong. <laughs> um, I think there's definitely a stream of that. I think that there are those concepts. Yeah. Um, definitely in Shinran. So Zen and um, Aku. All right. So Zen is good. It's not the Zen from Zen Buddhism. Uh-huh. It's a different character. Uh, and Aku uh, would be uh, evil. Mm. Uh, and so uh, those those uh, characters exist, and I think that those in you know so so for example, um, there's a section in Shoshinge talking about um, Honen, who says that he was well versed in the Buddhist teaching and that he turned compassionately to foolish people, both good and evil. So an idea of good people and bad people, good beings, bad beings. Um, I'm sorry, read that again. Uh, Master Honen turned compassionately to foolish people, both good and evil. Does that mean that foolish people are both good and evil? There were good foolish people and, and evil bad. foolish people. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So foolish people is a whole other category. I know. That's, right? that's interesting. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there's another <clears throat> section, too, about um, uh, uh, the... So even if you're good, you're still foolish. Yeah, it could be. Maybe, and maybe that's... Or that's at least a category of person. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyway. I guess a sage would just be assumed to be good. Would there, could there be an evil sage? No, because a sage is already kind of good. But for the foolish people, maybe, um, I think that that's one of the um, kind of category distinctions between sages and foolish people, hmm. foolish beings. 
Um, so that would be Path of Sages, Path of Pure Land. Right? Even though Pure Land is open to sages too, but you know, sages can undertake the Path of Sages. They can um, um, do good deeds. They can meditate. They can leave their families. They can do all the stuff that excellent Buddhists are supposed to do. For those that can't, Path of Pure Land. Mm -hmm. And that is um, foolish beings, whether they're good foolish beings or evil foolish beings. Right? So it's so interesting. So yeah, there's yeah, a whole, yeah. I mean, in Pure Land, and it's not just Shinran or not just Honen. It's a whole uh, rhetoric or a whole um, realm of thought relating to uh, the types of people and the types of action. Uh, I think back to it, part of the thing of good and evil makes me think of the Wheel of Rebirth, Samsara. Right, reincarnation and how the the top if you think of it as the pie chart kind of thing the top three realms heaven hungry go uh, heaven angry fighting deities and um, humans are the good realms and the bottom three are the evil realms yeah but still <laughs> and Dhammapada um, do good refrain from evil I mean that's one really really quote unquote basic Buddhist teaching it's not the whole picture but there is a kind of a stream of Buddhism I think that says try to do good deeds try to refrain from evil deeds aim for good rebirth try not to be um, have an a unfortunate rebirth right in one of those bottom three realms of hungry ghosts animals and hell. but you don't want to be in the top three the top two realms anyway either yeah ultimately human is best and that's not perfect either right mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So there's that. Um, I mean, if you want to be reborn anywhere. <laughs> yeah. and, and so maybe this is a good place to bring in um, Spiro. I call him Melford Spiro. It might be Spiro. I'm not sure. He's an anthropologist, so he doesn't always come up uh, in Buddhist studies. But uh, he did work in Burma in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, looking at Theravada Buddhism there. And so he comes up with three categories of Buddhism there. Uh, and stick with me, comatic, <laughs> nibbonic, and apotropaic. So they're kind of crazy names, but kamma is the Pali word for karma, right? So we could maybe call it karmatic Buddhism too. Nibbana is nirvana. So there's one kind of Buddhism that's more karma-based. Try to do good, refrain from evil. Mm -hmm. There's the nirvanic, nibbanic kind of Buddhism, which is more what monks do. I mean, this is the general distinction between this monastic, nibbanic Buddhism, where you're not playing the karma game. You're trying to transcend good and evil. You're trying to tr get out of samsara. Uh, and apotropaic just means magic. We've talked about that in another episode, so we don't have to talk about that. Dude, magic? <laughs> Why are we not talking about I shouldn't magic? I should brought it up. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. Um, but there's, uh, often there's this kind of general distinction between uh, good and evil Buddhism, right? Trying to get better rebirth as opposed to lower, which is often foisted on the lay people, right? And then this nirvanic kind of trend, get out of samsara, uh, the more monastic very often. But those we shouldn't stick to those categories, but I just kind of want to throw them in there. Yeah, I mean... And he even points that out himself. He interviews all these lay people, and they totally know the nibbonic side. Mm -hmm. And they're like, that's what we should be aiming for, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, even yeah. in his study. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we could, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of interesting things to say about that. But it, I would still be interested to know how we're defining good and evil mm -hmm. and what that means. And it seems like there are times when that is clear, and there are times when it isn't. Mm -hmm. And you know, I can already hear people thinking, well, what about like the precepts or 
the lay precepts even, right? You know, there are five lay precepts. Don't do these five things. And then that's presumably what it means to be doing good or um, dana, charity. You know, that's another thing that would be ostensibly good. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, say more about that. I mean, how do we, how do we determine what it is that is good and what is evil? I think one way is in terms of harm and non-harm. Mm-hmm. Right, so that um, evil karma, evil actions, where are actions that cause harm to others, could be one way, right? So stealing, um, hurting people, killing people, right, is negative karmic activity. Not people, sorry, living beings, because um, I don't think it, it's not just with people, right? Um, and so that would be one way. And then the absence of harm or the you know kindness being the flip side of that, uh, to um, to help others. You know, try to lessen other suffering could be viewed as good karma. Mm-hmm. Um, Donna might might be one aspect of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, how do you judge that? You and, know, and, and who and analyze would, and who's who's keeping track? Who gets to judge that? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, is the other thing. Mm-hmm. And I still think it's worth questioning whether or not actions translate to identity. Mm-hmm. Um, whether this is a Buddhist question or not, you know, I think it's worth just sort of pausing and saying, well, okay, um, you know, it, it's it's clear that um, actions have repercussions in uh, Kamadic Buddhism, if you will, <laughs> um, that your actions will have positive or negative um, uh, uh, consequences, you know, particularly in, in the sort of realm of rebirth. But, I, you know, we could make that argument in, in this life as well. Um, but whether or not those actions um, stick to you, so to speak, right? And you can talk about like, you know, Yogacara and the Alivinyaya and the storehouse consciousness and whatever, like, is that me, right? Do, you know, at what point does my action, at what point, at what point am I defined solely by my behavior, I guess is the question. And this is just sort of a general, not necessarily even a Buddhist question, sort of a general question. And whether or not that's a useful category in, how we talk about persons. This is, I think, slightly different than like ethical questions. Like, I think we can have an ethical conversation about, oh, okay, here are some guidelines or some things that we should do and shouldn't do, and these are the reasons why. Um, but then there's this other sort of side to that of, well, how do we talk about persons and how do we relate to persons? And do we, do we judge other people? Do we label them as good people or bad people? It's interesting to me that there's that line from the Shoshinge that says that there are... Foolish, be- foolish beings who are good and foolish beings who are evil. Mm-hmm. You know, that seems to me like a specific labeling of these persons as a particular kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what's the justification for that? What's the connection between our actions and ourselves? Mm-hmm. And this, I think, is a not inconsequential question for a religion that ostensibly says that there is no self. Right. right. So, you know, I'm sort of pulling from like 14 different places, some Buddhist, some not, mm-hmm. um, some Jodo Shinshu and many not. So the question isn't particularly well formed, but I think it's something just sort of, you know, worth throwing out there. Mm-hmm. And it, we are talking very much about Shin Buddhism too, where I think what you said before about all the realms are evil is kind of Shinran's viewpoint. Right. That, um, well, at the, at the, the very, and I don't think that's just a Shin thing. The, at the very least, all six realms of rebirth are marked by dukkha. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, you know, it's it's better to be reborn as a human. Mm-hmm. Clearly, 
in general, Buddhism makes the claim that it's best to be reborn as a human. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that it doesn't matter which realm you're born in, all of them are impermanent and all of them are marked by dukkha. That's, that's interesting. That's, so that's the definition of samsara. I mean, that's, right. that's it, right? So, But Shinran goes <clears> further, <throat> I think, and says that uh, the only good is Nembutsu, Buddha. Mm-hmm. And he kind of flattens out samsara so that, um, and I, I don't think it's, it's so much... Even the human realm sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that it's all hell, basically. Yeah. I mean, so he's... Shin, and uh, So that this is part of Shinran's worldview, I think, too. Like, I found another one. Uh, the Nembutsu that embodies Amida's primal vow um, is hard for evil, sentient beings of wrong views and arrogance to accept. So he basically, you know, is talking about... In, in a way, I think he is kind of essentializing himself anyway as an evil being mm-hmm. who can't see the way things really are who isn't mm-hmm. is incapable of good quote unquote um, whatever that good you know not, <laughs> not that's not samsara good I think that's Buddha good mm-hmm. um, maybe the good quote unquote that Buddha practices is different than the karmic kind of good samsaric kind of good so that's another area where um, you know are we talking about good and evil you know, just a kind of moralistic, everyday kind of sense. Oh, I should try to do good things and not hurt, harm as few people as possible, or something. Or are we? Do we have an idea of good or the good in this Shinshu sense as the great compassion of the Buddha? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's worth considering as well. Um, so I, I think, in a way, Shinran does kind of essentialize and ontologize <laughs> the, the, the sentient being as evil. Yeah. And he's talking about himself, not not all necessarily, but and so anyone else who feels that way, right? This is a system for you, because Amida Buddha, Honen, right? They their whole point is helping out these beings who can't help, are just kind of stuck in that mire of um, samsara. Mm-hmm. Uh, this totally is different than the golden chain. Um, and, and but then maybe this is and because golden chain says you, um, what is the golden chain? You got to say it again. I'm a link and I'm in the Buddha's golden chain of love that stretches around the world. Um, I must keep my link bright and strong. Um, I will try to be kind and gentle to every living thing, knowing that on what I do depends not only my happiness or unhappiness, but also that of others. So I will try to be kind and gentle to every living thing. Um, I think is one. That's the compassion side. Uh-huh. Um, but then I will try to think, or I will think pure and beautiful thoughts. I will say pure and beautiful words. I will do pure and beautiful deeds, knowing that on what I do now depend. Did I already say that? I already said that. Part. Anyway, um, so golden chain really to me does a kind of part of it is this comatic kind of good and evil kind of thing, or maybe not. Well, I, don't know, I, I but it's it's saying trying to be a good person. I'm not convinced those categories really work. To be quite frankly, really? I mean, yeah, not really, but. Uh, it's, it's a it's a it's a, a categorization con- that came up by a, a scholar to try to understand a religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, th- which means that it's going to be imperfect because it's it's uh, right. after the fact attempt at organizing something that is necessarily complex and already organized by its own internal logic. Mm-hmm. Um, dividing out the goal for enlightenment from general karma doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It seems to me that you know whether or not. Um, a monastic is ever talking about karma, there's still karma in there. That's still mm-hmm. part of that 
practice. And mm-hmm. then the other sort of division of taking ritual and magic out of it is um, deeply problematic yeah. um, for a lot of reasons. But you know, uh, the sort of um, uh, sidelining of ritual as being not you know important or just magic or not you know. Um, part of the tradition is also sort of problematic. And the thing about the golden chain, I mean, the golden chain is this thing that I, I know that a lot of people have mixed feelings about in um, BCA or American Jodo Shinshu because it's, it's, it's not, you know, no one really knows where it came from. <laughs> um, or, but there's elements in there that um, I think speak to both the, if you want to sort of use these, these, these concepts of nibbonic and kamatic, I think that speak kind of to both of those things, you know, to, to say, you know, I'm going to try to think and do pure and beautiful thoughts and, and whatever else, that's not necessarily totally alien to Buddhism. You know, it sounds to me like purifying body, speech, and mind. It sounds to me mm-hmm. like parts of the Eightfold Chain, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, the Eightfold Path, um, you know, of, uh, you know, right speech, for example, you know, what is right speech? Mm-hmm. In Pali-based texts, that's actually pretty—it's pretty well defined what right speech is, and there's certain kinds of speech behavior that you're not supposed to engage in. It's not as clearly, you know, laid out in the Golden Chain, but you know, you can make a connection there. And the Eightfold Path is definitely, you know, monastic practice. I mean, that's that's what you know. Anyway, so these that that sort of tripartite division of the of, of Buddhism doesn't quite work for me, and. Uh, I'm not quite sure where I'm going. Yeah, but <laughs> throw that away. Don't, don't get stuck on that. And I, and I understand yeah. that the, um, the the golden chain is problematic, but at the same time, it's not. It's not you know it's not wholly weird, right? It's not like you know the Gotha onward Buddhist soldiers, right? It's not mm-hmm. like so completely like what are you talking about? <laughs> mm-hmm. That it, I think that it, we should just sort of abandon it. Um, not to say that we should use it as like the basis for any sort of doctrinal position or whatever else, but you know. I, I could see where you could get thinking and doing pure and beautiful thoughts. I might not use those words, but it's you know, mm-hmm. I could find some source that would help clarify that. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more direct anyway than uh, this broad category of foolishness, and within foolishness is good foolishness and bad foolishness. Right. Right. <laughs> and we haven't even gotten to how we translate evil yet. I mean, we just keep right, throwing right, out right. evil as if like that's okay. Yeah, if Mark yeah. Bum's listening, he's gonna like punch us in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I don't think, I, I still think, um, I don't know, because a, a lot of this does comes down to ethics and, you know, does Buddhism tell me, give me a way to act? Um, does Shin Buddhism give me a way to act? Um, a way little to, bit of yes, a little bit of no? Yeah. <laughs> um, can we articulate that? Well, yeah, you can. Whether it's, you know, right or not, I don't know. Yeah. But <laughs> um, you can articulate anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, can you? I don't think I, I don't think we've done a good job in Shinshu at all, because I think it's a very abstruse and subtle point. If you say, "Yeah, you should try to do good things," I don't. Where do you find that in Shinran? The guy who's saying, "In um, inwardly, I'm snakes and scorpions, just all lies," right? Shinran has this like deep. So that's part of the evil. I think is um, Shinran's perception of himself is not as a good person by any means. He's an arrogant person. Uh, he's a selfish person, uh, right? Um, and so where do we, f- is there an ethical position that can be um, uh, articulated from out of Shinran's thought? So, so I, th- I think it's a, it's a great, 
maybe these are questions to ask about, you know, yeah, what do we mean by good and evil and what mm-hmm. kind? And I think that I personally think that Shinshu is very different. I think other kinds of Buddhism we can find. Yeah, yeah don't do you know, this and try to do these. Yes, I totally agree with you. Shinshu is, uh, Shinshu is unique. Then again, most forms of Buddhism are unique. They mm-hmm. have their own specificity. Um, but I also, I, I want to sort of challenge us to not get stuck in the, Shin, in the Shinran trap, right? I think that I look at the sort of hi, the intellectual history of Jodo Shinshu and I see that like since Renyo, mm-hmm. people have been sort of like people get hung up on like, well, what did Renyo say? And what did Shinran say? And then particularly in the modern period, people are like, we got to get back to Shinran. What did mm-hmm. Shinran say? Mm-hmm. Particularly right now, like right now, I think we're at a point where people are like, oh, we got to figure out what Shinran meant. And like, there's a lot of focus on Shinran. Um, and that's great. I think that Shinran has a lot of really interesting insights. I think we should absolutely, everybody should go read Shinran, read the Tani show. Um, even as dangerous as that might be, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's, he's a really interesting thinker. He has a really interesting point of view and that's totally valuable. The danger in focusing so much on Shinran or even Renyo or any one particular person is that eventually what you find yourself doing is sort of decontextualizing that person. You remove them from their larger context, right? Shinran didn't come out of nowhere. Shinran didn't, you know, invent a new kind of Buddhism. Um, he inherited a particular approach to Buddhism, which in itself was inherited from another kind of Buddhism, which itself was related to another kind of Buddhism. There's a continuity there. And I don't think that it's wrong of us to say, oh, okay, maybe Shinran didn't give us the Ten Commandments of how to be a Shin Buddhist, but, you know, maybe we can find something in Tendai. Mm. Unless he rejected him. Unless you reject it, I'm sure. But then, then we fall into the sort of like hardcore sectarian trap, mm-hmm. and then I think, then I think we're doomed. Then I think we're stuck. Unless they're intimately tied into the whole system, those rejections. I mean, so that's. I mean, I don't want to just in a wholesale manner say, oh yeah, we can find the ethical approach somewhere else. Oh, I'm not saying that, dude. No. You, you know, I'm not saying that. <laughs> well, but that's what what I heard. You know, maybe we can find them in Tendai, but it's like, but. That was the whole point, was that he was articulating something different. Uh-huh. Um, and so, so I think the problem is that a lot of the like Renyo and post-Renyo stuff says, ethics, do what society tells you. Ethics is in society's rules, and that Shinshu is your spiritual life, which mm-hmm. is somehow disconnected from that. And yeah, I think that's a real. I think that's a problem. Yeah, I think that's a, really problem. I think that's a real right. huge problem for the tradition, and whether or not that's because of something Shinran said or because of a certain interpretation of Shinran or of Renyo, I still think we can. Sh- I think we should critique that, and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily. I didn't mean to imply that we can just sort of wholesale take another person's ethical perspective and dump it into Jodo Shinshu, mm-hmm. but without having some openness to rethinking some of these things Mm -hmm. then the religion inevitably gets stuck talking about the same thing over and over again and being unable to adjust or adapt to changing circumstances Mm -hmm. and you know if a religion or a cultural movement or whatever gets stuck without being able to adapt Mm -hmm. that does not bode well generally speaking because then it becomes irrelevant Mm -hmm. It has nothing new to say. And that's always the tension in religion. Ten, you know, that's, this is the fundamental tension within religion, right? Is this tension between we are preserving some sort of fundamental truth that is ahistorical or transcultural or has some universal meaning and is immune to the vagaries of time and change. 
but we also have to be embedded in the real world. So we're balancing this sort of attachment to a tradition and the progressive need for adaptation. Mm -hmm. And how do you balance those things? And mm -hmm. if we get too stuck on, well, what did Shinran say? It's like, well, yeah, Shinran's really important. I get that. <laughs> you know, what did Renyo say? Well, yeah, Renyo's really important. I get that. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's other things, too, that we can look at. Maybe. I don't know. And see, I'm in a position of luxury and privilege because I don't have to worry about any of this because <laughs> I can just go home and I don't have my, you know, my temple's members coming to me and asking me questions. The bishop's not going to come and get mad at me. He might get mad at me, but, you know. <laughs> He's like he's not so. he's not going to reassign me to you know some <laughs> temple out in the middle of nowhere. So you know I can say whatever I want and get in a lot of trouble. And um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, because so the Bay District Ministers Association has kind of created a um, study group to begin looking at this stuff. And we've only had one meeting so far. <laughs> we have another meeting next week, and I haven't done any of the reading yet. But um, but it's a thorny thing. It's really thorny, and like there are it has been addressed, I think, and on the Japan side, academia scholar, uh, uh, priestly academia side. Uh, it's interesting. There's one viewpoint that says, yes, we can connect Shinshu ethics to the previous more general Buddhist ethics or whatever, mm -hmm. more Mahayana or whatever. And there's another side that says, absolutely, absolutely not. disconnect. Yeah. No mm -hmm. connection whatsoever. Any ethical pronouncements of Buddhism are, are out the window yeah, yeah. in Shinshu. If you think you're trying to do them, you're deluded. Self-power. You have to completely turn over to other power that's it. There's no, we can't, any ethics we try to do is doomed to failure. Yeah, and see, those just sound to me like extremes, and what's the middle path? <laughs> right, but unfortunately. I know, we I gotta, know. Or, we got to get there, <laughs> right? So, so yeah. Uh, you know, I, uh, this is also coming from the, the historical study, right, of, right, of right, looking right. at the way in which the institutions, the Jodo Shinshu institutions at different moments in Japanese history were like, oh, let's break out the two truths of worldly law or kingly law, emperor mm -hmm. law or whatever, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, sort of dharmic law or whatever. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. as a result, you know, retreat inwardly and not be engaged with certain problems that arose when certain people came to power and, you know. And that's that's... You know, those Part, are some, and that's contextual yeah. too, right? Yeah, of the, absolutely. The, yeah. the historical and social context yeah. of Japan. And yeah, they weren't right. even really allowed to debate with each other anymore. And um, you're supposed to just shut up, do your religious thing, but don't yeah, don't yeah, yeah, rock yeah. the boat and don't make waves in society. Right. And when waves happen, people get put in jail, and you know, they <laughs> clamp the government clamps down on them, yeah. right? So that's part of the history. And then the whole. Uh, Meiji and yeah, so right? so yeah, so it's like it's 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 bound up in the historical yeah. um, context. But I think um, the, a lot of the issues are um, still significant, huh? Um, trying to and so for us as ministers to be able to say anything about any current thing, we have to know this stuff. We can't just say eh, it's somewhere in the middle. You know, it's like <laughs> like um, I said, I have the luxury of yeah. not. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, and, and that's interesting, too, because BCA used to put out these, like, pamphlets on social issues, and um, it wasn't a very successful program, and um, it was kind of shut down because pamphlets were being put out that many ministers didn't agree with whatsoever and felt like, you can't say this. We, we're supposed to do the paramitas, and we're supposed to be bodhisattvas. It was like some of them are, like, just not Shinshu at all. Which implies that there is a Shinshu position, but it's a lot easier, I think, to say, no, that's not the Shinshu position, than to say, this is the Shinshu position, mm -hmm. which is an interesting part of this whole thing. 
Um, and I think it is part of that, like what I mentioned in the last episode of that thing of like circling around what you're trying to say. You try to come out and concretize it and say it simply, it misses the point, <laughs> right? So we end up, so I think for decades, BCA and you know, Shinshu has circled around, hopefully pointing obliquely toward something, <laughs> right? But, but it's very difficult to just articulate simply, let alone articulate at all. Um, and so that's just one of the challenges, I think, of, of, and I feel like this episode has kind of illustrated that <laughs> um, went totally off in directions that I didn't foresee, but I mean, that's why we're doing it. Again, you know, we didn't come out, we didn't go into this with a pre-articulated position, right? Uh, with, we didn't come, go in with knowing we have I an still don't have a position. I right. feel like I'm right. not even convinced of what I said five minutes ago has any relevance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I enjoyed it because, you know, it, we, it, um, and it, part of it was looking at the text and finding, yeah, these kind of essentialized positions in Shinran anyway of like this very kind of <laughs> depressing, pessimistic Yeah, and we never even himself. We never even talked about evil. Yeah, I was yeah, really yeah. looking forward to that. <laughs> That's a whole other episode. we got to do some research for that one. Thank you.